tonight. We are so glad that you're here to celebrate, to remember on this Good Friday. As I was thinking about tonight, there's several things that crossed my mind, not the least of which is I began thinking to myself how some meals are memorable. There are some meals that you just remember, they stand out in your mind. You might have a meal that is memorable because of what was served at that meal, right? And so you had the best piece of steak ever, or you went to a buffet, and it was memorable because of what they served. There's other meals that are meals that are memorable because of who's there, right? Some of you are getting ready to have family over for Easter, and every time weird Uncle Festus comes over, right, it's memorable, right? And so some meals are just memorable because of who is present. And, and then there's some meals that are memorable because of what takes place at the meal, right? Something significant happens at that mealtime, and it takes it from being just a regular old supper time to a meal that you remember. Um, I did something very memorable over a meal. Uh, I proposed to my wife over a meal, and uh, I went to her apartment in Chicago. I uh, went and bought a tie, went and bought some suspenders. Went and bought some new shoes, shined them up, and I went to her apartment and cooked a steak dinner so that when she got home that night, she didn't know I was coming, and I served her dinner. I even wrote a poem that I said to her over that meal asking her to marry me. Why did I do that? I wanted that night to be a moment that she would remember. I wanted it to be special, right? And so that was a meal that neither of us will ever forget, right? You know why? Because it changed my life and hers forever. Changed our lives forever. We're here tonight to celebrate and remember a meal where Jesus said, There's some things I don't want you to ever forget. This meal was special. It was special first and foremost because of who was there. The people that were at the meal with Jesus were his disciples, and they were sharing this meal together and what he wanted them to remember was this, that there was going to be another meal someday they were going to share together. It was going to be the meal where he was at the head of the table and they were in heaven. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so he said, when you guys get together, I want you to have a meal that points to the meal you're going to have with me someday in heaven. Tonight, actually, we, we've made that available to you as you leave. In the east end of the gym, we've set out some light snacks, and after the service, you can go down, feel free to kind of mingle around and just share some fellowship together. Why? Because it helps us remember we're going to sit with Jesus someday. But Jesus' meal wasn't only memorable because of who was there, it was memorable also because of what happened. Jesus did something very strange. It was strange to all of his disciples. He got up from the table, and if you know the story, he wrapped the towel around himself, and he began doing what the servants should have done. He began bending and washing each of the disciples' feet. It's fascinating because not all of them were thrilled with it, Peter in particular. Peter's like, I don't think so, and Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you don't have any part with me, and Peter's like, give me a bath, and Jesus like, you don't need a bath, and he said, but I want you to remember this. I want this meal to be something you remember. In fact, I want you to do this occasionally with other followers because I want you to remember this, that even as my followers, there's going to be times where your feet get stinky, so to speak, where you do things you shouldn't, 
where you don't do things you should. And I want you never to forget that when that happens, there's a basin of grace. And so he said to his disciples, his followers, he said, so occasionally it'd be good for you maybe to do this with each other so that you always remember this basin of grace. And so tonight, on the west side of the gym, we've set up a place. If you're here with your family, your, your spouse, friends, others, I encourage you to go down and we'll even help you navigate the place. But if you want to participate in that, it's a great way to remember. But in the middle of that meal, Jesus didn't want them just to remember the meal because of what he did and who was there. But I really believe he wanted them to remember what they ate. Because in the middle of that meal, Jesus said something interesting. Here's the way it's recorded. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took some bread. When he had given thanks, he broke the bread and he said, This bread is my body and it's for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I think Jesus was saying, I want this to be a a meal that you remember. In fact, I want you to come back to the table so that you never forget. Never forget what? Never forget how much I love you. Never forget the sacrifice I made for you. Never forget my body, which was given in place of you. Never forget my blood, which was shed for the forgiveness of your sin. So what he was saying is every time you partake of the bread and the cup, you proclaim my death and you do this remembering. I don't want you to ever forget. So tonight as we worship, we're going to do just that. We're going to invite you to take of the bread and the cup. I can tell you this, there's nothing magical about this bread. There's nothing magical about what's in those cups. They simply are pictures to point to something They point to something, a moment. That meal Jesus shared with his disciples pointed to a moment, you ready, that would change their lives forever. You see, that's what Good Friday's about. It's a moment that has the ability to change your life forever. And Jesus said, I just don't want you to ever forget. And so I'm going to pray in a moment, and then we're going to sing two songs together. And the ushers are going to dismiss you by row. And if you don't feel comfortable tonight, that's fine. Just, Just pass, let others go by you. But we're going to invite you to come down the center aisle. You can pick up a piece of bread, pick up a cup with some juice in it, and then you can go back to your seat down the outer aisles. And when you get to your seat as the worship team is singing, as you're singing with them, we invite you just to take a moment and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for shedding your blood for my sin. And then at your leisure, when you feel ready, you can partake of the bread and the cup there in your seat as we sing together. Let's pray together. Father, what a privilege this is to be able to come and partake of the bread and the cup. We do not do this casually tonight. We do not do this flippantly. We do this remembering that Jesus was nailed to that cross, not simply so it could be a neat story we retell. But he was nailed to that cross, his body nailed to the cross, his blood dripping from that cross because that was the price for me, for my friends here to have forgiveness. That was the price 
for us to be included in your family. That was the price for us to have grace instead of guilt. That was the price so that we didn't have to be afraid of dying. That was the price so that we could have hope even in the middle of dark days. That was the price so that we could have peace beyond understanding. So we come and we partake the bread, the cup, and we remember Jesus. Jesus who was given for us. Jesus who loves us. Jesus who stood in the way for us. So tonight, we simply say thank you, and we love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you read the story of God, you see that the people of God for centuries would bring lambs and goats, and they would sacrifice those lambs and goats. And if you're not familiar with the story of God, sometimes you can read that stuff and like, what in the world is going on there, right? They would bring that because of their sin. Yet, yet they knew something. They knew that the blood of those lambs and those goats wasn't the answer. It didn't cover their sin. The whole idea behind them bringing them to sacrifice was simply pointing ahead to a promise. That God had promised, I'm going to send a solution to your sin. I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send somebody who's going to be the adequate, sufficient solution to your sin. You fast forward the story of God and all of a sudden onto the scene enters this guy who kind of stirred things up a little bit. His name was Jesus. When he came, he said some outlandish things that really got people talking. He came and he said things like, I'm the bread of life. Like, if, if you want to have life, come to me. I'm the source of life. I'm the sustainer of life. He said things like, I am the light of the world, right? And we all like that, and it shows up on bumper stickers because it's like, yes, he's the light in a dark world. And then he says something interesting. In John 10, we looked at it this last Sunday. He said, I'm the good shepherd. If I was honest with you, and I'm sure I'm not alone in a room this size, that's a very popular picture of Jesus. We love good, gentle shepherd Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus, the good shepherd, and you see the picture with him carrying the little lamb around and love the idea of Jesus, the gentle shepherd, my gentle leader, my shepherd Jesus. But if I was honest, and I'm sure I'm not alone, it's that picture of Jesus that can make this day confusing for me. Because when I think about Good Friday and I think about gentle shepherd Jesus, good shepherd Jesus, it causes me to be confused as to how in the world I'm supposed to respond on Good Friday. If I'm just being honest, I grew up in and around church and I've been in Good Friday services before and left and I'm not even sure how I'm supposed to feel. I've had pastors even talk in such a way that the main emotion that I should feel at the end of Good Friday is just I should feel sad and sorry for Jesus. And it makes sense when you think about the fact that if he was the good and gentle shepherd, they killed him. Like he was a good teacher, right? He gave good advice. He was a wonderful counselor. He fed hungry people. He helped those who couldn't help themselves. He left an inspiring example. And so, so the story of Good Friday is, is a story about gentle shepherd unjustly, brutally being killed. An innocent man being killed, and it 
causes you to leave a Good Friday service saying, I'm not sure how I should feel. Maybe I should feel sorry for Jesus until you read the rest of the verse. Because the rest of the verse makes Good Friday pop because this is what it says. It says, I am the good shepherd, and he is all those things we just said. But he said, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He doesn't stop there. But he goes on to say this in verse 18, chapter 10. He said, no one takes it, that's my life from me. I lay it, that's my life down of my own accord, voluntarily. He says, I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. Who says that? (laughs) Who believes that? But here's the deal, and I want you to hear this tonight. It's that statement that he makes leading up to Good Friday that makes Good Friday pop. It's, I would say it's that statement that he says, I'm laying my life down of my own accord that makes it make sense, that gives it power. Listen close. And it is that statement that will help you know how you should leave here tonight. Because when you read the story of Jesus, he's not far from the cross. And if you know the story of Jesus, in John 18, it says this, that he was in a garden with his disciples. It was dark. His disciples couldn't stay awake. He is crying out in anguish to the Father. This moment had come, and he's crying out, sweating, drops of blood. It is a moment Unlike any other moment, in encroaching into the darkness of that garden was four to seven hundred soldiers with lanterns and swords, and they were escorted by somebody who had a familiar face. His name was Judas. And John 18 records something that is fascinating all night long. We've had one service all night long. People have told me I've never read that before, but it's in there. Here's what it says. With four to seven hundred soldiers around Jesus in the night, Jesus, verse 4, fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward. I want you to remember that. Jesus stepped forward to meet them. And he asked a simple question. He said, who are you looking for? They answered, Jesus, the Nazarene. And look at his response. I am he. Judas was there standing with them, verse 6. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think was in control in this situation? Jesus is the only one in control, and he says, who is it you're looking for? They say, we're looking for Jesus. He said, I am he. I'm the one you're looking for. Once they gather themselves, get to their feet, he asked them again, who is it you're looking for? Again, they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. He said once more, I told you, I am he. And then he said this, I don't want you to forget this. And since I am the one you want, let these others go. I want to tell you something tonight. If you think the story of Good Friday is about our helpless good shepherd being killed as a victim of injustice. If you think that the emotion to leave here tonight with is to feel sad and sorry for Jesus, you, my friends, are gravely mistaken. 
you are gravely mistaken because Good Friday is all about the good shepherd willingly, voluntarily laying down his life. He's the only one in control in the whole story. And he said something to them that he says to us. He says, take me. Take me. This is the story of Good Friday. Take me. Let them go free. Let them alone. Jesus knew something on Good Friday that you need to know tonight. That on Friday, Jesus defanged sin. On Friday, he stepped on the serpent's head. On Friday, he made a spectacle of Satan. On Friday, he triumphed over evil. On Friday, Jesus stepped forward and he said, I am he. Here's why this is important. I don't know all of your stories. I know some of them. But you came in here tonight maybe asking the same question those men asked as they walked into the garden. And Jesus is asking you a question tonight. And he's saying, who is it you're looking for? Who are you looking for this Good Friday? And we might have different answers. (laughs) Some of you, your answer would be this. I'm just looking for someone who can give me peace. My life is a wreck. And Jesus steps forward. He says, I am he. Some of you are here tonight, you're like, man, my life is everywhere. I just need someone who will give me purpose. And Jesus steps forward and he says, I am he. There are some of you here tonight and you're thinking, I am living my life in the shadows of the secret of my shame and I need somebody who will help me find some healing. And Jesus steps forward and he says, I am he. Some of you think, I, how in the world can I overcome the guilt of my past? I need somebody who can help me overcome the guilt of my past. And Jesus steps forward and he says, I am he. Some of you think, I've messed up. I've done too much. In a year's worth of time, I've gone too far. I need somebody who can help me find my way back. And Jesus steps forward and he says, I am he. And the reason he can say, I am he, listen close. You know why? Because on Friday, on Friday, he said, take me. Take me. Nail me to the cross so they can go free. Listen, friends, that's the story of Good Friday. The story of Good Friday is about the victory of Jesus. It's about Jesus making a spectacle of Satan. It is about Jesus stepping forward and saying, take me instead of them because I am he. And so, Father, tonight on Good Friday, I don't know the questions we're asking, the stories behind it, but I pray tonight would not be a night where we simply feel sorry for Jesus Because I don't think Jesus wants us to feel sorry for him. And we come into your presence and we say, help us to leave here with the appropriate response. God, I pray that we would see Jesus, the one who stepped forward in our place, and we'd be broken. We would be broken and humbled because it was our sin that put him there. That we would be broken because we realize that he stepped forward in our place. But God, I pray that as broken as we are, 
that we would be filled with celebration because tonight, because of what he did, because he stepped forward, we have freedom, we have forgiveness, we have grace, we have hope, we have peace, we have purpose, we have joy. God, help us to see the power of the cross. I am so grateful, Father, that at the cross, Jesus defanged sin and death. He stepped on the enemy's head, that he triumphed over the devil. And I am so grateful tonight that because of the cross, you offer me something I don't deserve, I could not earn or accomplish. And so tonight, we bring our brokenness mixed with our celebration, and it explodes in worship. It simply explodes in worship. There is no one here worthy of attention like you. There is no one here worthy of adoration like you. There is no one here worthy of our legions like you. There is no one here who paid the price like you in our place. I am so grateful tonight that you, Jesus, good and gentle shepherd, make Friday good. Because you, good and gentle shepherd, were the lamb who voluntarily stood in my place. Thank you for loving us. I pray this in Jesus' name.